Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal Part 27B of N, DNS. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials I wrote over at birdbeat.ie forward slash TTT. This originally aired as part of Nasillacast episode 506, hosted at potfeet.com. I'm Bart Bouchatz, and the other voice you're about to hear is Alison Sheridan, host of the Nasillacast podcast. All right, we get to play now? Yeah, you get a review for us, right? Okay, I'm going to do a summary, but before I do a summary, I am going to say thank you to all of the listeners who corrected my mistakes, (laughs) or mistake. One mistake, I repeated it many times. (laughs) Um, so I got a hit on Twitter and all sorts of places, but, um, I think two listeners who particularly brought it to our attention were Richard, uh, Makeda and Bert Yerk. So thank you to you guys and to everyone else who pointed it out to me. Um, so it's not three A's for an IPv6 address, it's four A's. So it's a quadruple A record, not a triple A record. So there you go. Okay. So you were just saying AAA instead of AAAA? Correct. I did it repeatedly, and I decided to shorten it to triple A. I should have been shortening it to quadruple A. So there you go. All right. I did also say I don't use them very much, and now you have proof. There you go. Okay, so domain name system. So DNS stands for domain name system. It's a hierarchical system of naming. Oh, that was something else somebody corrected me. It might have been Bert. It was Bert, and it was you he was correcting, not me. Yes, right. Was I said saying DNS server was like saying uh, ATM machine, and he said mm-hmm. it isn't because it, it's domain name system, as you just said, so it's domain name system server. Yes, and I said domain name system the whole way through last week because it's one of my pet hates when people say ATM machine. <laughs> well, it's awesome that we have people to correct us. Exactly, it's, which is good because it means if I make a mistake, it can only last a week, <laughs> and then I'll know all about it. <laughs> So the domain name system is a hierarchical system of naming which allows names to be mapped to different types of DNS record. And so you can have podfeet.com mapping to an MX record and podfeet.com mapping to an A record and podfeet.com mapping to a quadruple A record and so on and so forth. So there are many types of record, but really as far as we're concerned, there's only five that I'm going to mention in this summary. So A records map a name to an IPv4 address. Quadruple A records map a name to an IPv6 address. C name records map a name to a name. So think of them as aliases. Just so an alias to a file is a pointer that is a pointer that points to where the file is. Well, a, a, a C name is a pointer to the actual name you should be looking up. So it's an alias. MX records map a name to the name of an email server. So they're right. used so that you can figure out. So they map podfeet.com to the name of podfeet.com's email server. And NS records map, basically NS records specify which authoritative servers are responsible for which domain names. So there are NS records which say that podfeet.com has its authoritative servers wherever they are. Can't remember where we said they were, but wherever they are, there is an NS. There are NS records saying those servers over there, they know what the story is with podfeet.com. Right, right. That and there's other types too, but we're not going to talk about them. Right. So we also talked about the fact that there were two types of DNS server. <laughs> so we have authoritative <laughs> servers, which actually contain these mappings of names to records. 
So they're just, they contain the actual DNS record. So the A record that says that potfeed.com is at your server and so on and so forth. And then there are DNS resolvers whose job it is when your browser or whatever says, I want to find out what the A record is for potfeet.com to actually go and find the answer. And we said that there were two types, the ones that do the actual work, which are real resolvers, and then the ones that just hand it over to someone else to do the work on their behalf, which are called stub resolvers. And you didn't really think there was much point to stub resolvers because they were just being lazy and handing it off for someone else to do. <laughs> but they become useful because all resolvers, be they you know, hardworking resolvers or stub resolvers, contain caches. And that caching adds great efficiency to the whole system. Of course, the price you pay is that changes are slow to propagate. And how slow they are depends on the time to live or TTL record that the authoritative server gave when it gave its answer. This is one of the reasons I think it's good when I, I badger you to explain something to me more deeply, because that is uh, something that really stuck with me, because I remember describing it to Steve later, describing the caching servers. I forgot what they were called, but the caching servers and how they uh, use the time to live to, to know whether they have to go check again. So yep. that's stuck, because I argued Excellent. with you. <laughs> and then, so the last thing I just have in my summary here is that owners of the name have to host their collection of DNS records somewhere, and that's usually called the DNS zone. And they do that on authoritative DNS servers. So if you're a larger organization, you probably run your own. But if you're not a large organization, like I'm not and you're not, then we got to get them hosted somewhere else. And we usually, it's normal, to use either our domain registrar, so they have authoritative servers we can use, or perhaps our web hosting company offer authoritative DNS servers for the use of their customers. So... DNS zones have to be on someone's authoritative server, and if you don't run your own, it's probably with your registrar or with your web hosting company. And that is where we left it. Okay, I'm with you. Now, before we continue on, I'm going to rewind very slightly. I've just added a little bit more into the show notes. So if you scroll well, down or up to the section entitled Authoritative DNS Servers... Okay. I've stuck in a little screenshot of what one of these authoritative server control panels usually looks like if you don't run your own. So if you're a, a normal person like myself or Alison and you own a domain, you probably have a control panel with your registrar or with your hosting company that allows you to manage your DNS, and it will look something like this screenshot. And the one I've chosen is the one for xkpasswd.net, which is hosted over on Hover, whom I absolutely adore, and who are nice <laughs> enough to sponsor Alison's show. So... Uh, Sort of why I chose that domain, actually. Yeah. I, I, just, I like Hover, and I want to give you a chance to advertise them. Yay. So what you see here is that for xkpasswd.net on my Hover control panel, there are a total of three DNS records, two A records and an MX record. Now, a convention that is really common among just about every one of these control panels and also many actual underlying configuration files that are doing the real work is that the at symbol is used as a shortcut for the current domain. Okay. So when I'm looking at the config for xkpasswd.net, at means xkpasswd.net. All right. So when you see at a and then an IP address, that means that xkpasswd.net without a www has an A record mapping it to 46.22.130.130. Then you see www, which doesn't end in a final dot, which means it's a relative name, so it's www.xkpasswd.net, has an A record mapping it to the same IP address. So you have to do those separately, so if someone types xkpasswd.net or www, it'll work. Correct. You have to have two records if you have two... Yeah, they're different domain names, so they need different records. Okay. I thought Another option that was some weird redirect thing or something. Right. 
you can. You can use a C name. So you still have to have both records, but you might have a C name that says that the at, so at without anything is a C name for www. That would work too. Okay. Or you could say that www is a C name for the one without the www. So you can either have two A's or one A and a C name. I like two A's. It really is up to, you know, I think yours is done with a C name. It's, it doesn't matter. Okay. The, the, the thing is, though, there has to be a record for each. And then the final one is the MX record, which, again, is the at symbol. is a shortcut for the full name of the domain, which is xkpassivity.net, saying all email is handled by Hover's mail servers. Okay. And that is, so that is just a typical domain control panel, and you have one, I have one. Everyone who has a domain probably has something that looks, if not identical to this, you with a different company, the functionality will be the same. And you see there's a button there that says add new, and I can create a new record, etc. Is this where I would have the uh, MX record that says that my mail actually flushes through Google? Correct. Okay. I was yes, wondering where exactly. I put that. It was so long ago, I can't remember. Yes, so it, it is in... Your control panel, which I think we figured out last time, was still with the GoDaddy peeps. Mm-hmm. For now. <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, I just thought we'd show that we'd stick that in there because a lot of our listeners who have their own domain might be curious how, how what we talked about in theory maps to practice. And that's, that's the answer. So now we're going to really get practical. Because this is a terminal series, remember? <laughs> <laughs> you, may have, you may have forgotten because it, it's been a while. So we need commands to look up DNS names. And there is the one that everyone who's ever used Windows probably knows is NSLOOKUP, which stands for Name Service Lookup. So if you you can go onto a Windows machine or a Unix machine or a Linux machine or a Mac and type NSLOOKUP space domain name, hit enter, and it will give you back the IP address and a little bit of metadata. So you want you can try that on barkb.e or podfeed or whatever. So NSLOOKUP podfeed.com says that it will say so server colon is the resolver that resolved the answer for you and address colon is the answer it got sorry no i'm wrong uh the first two are both the server and then it says non-authoritative answer name podfield.com address so it's the second address is the right answer right right 173 dot blah 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 okay so the first two pieces of information describe the resolver the second two pieces describe the answer and that's fairly straightforward. Now, if you're a Windows user, that's it. That's your. That's what you do, and that's kind of all you have. To, to review, where it says server 10.0.1.1, that's saying that my uh, Airport Extreme router was the DNS resolver, or no. maybe the stub? Yes. So in reality, it was a stub resolver, but that's who your computer asked, and that's who answered. Oh, but but my the Airport Extreme asked somebody else, certainly. Yes. Now, as we found out last week, you've configured your Airport Extreme to use Google's Resolvers, which are 8.8.8.8 and 8.8.4.4, or is it 4.4.8.8? I don't know. It's got 4s and 8s. 8.8.4.4, I think. So, oh yeah, so your computer doesn't know how the resolver got the answer. So it doesn't know it's a stub. It can't know it's a stub. All it knows is, I asked that guy and he told me this. And that's how you should interpret this, right? The first bit is who I asked, and the second bit is what he told me. And you notice it says non-authoritative answer. Yeah. Because your router is not the authoritative server for podfeet.com. Right. So it is a non-authoritative answer. Because okay. you didn't get it from the source, you got it from someone else who got it from someone else. <laughs> okay. It's right. practically is, a rumor at this point, you know. <laughs> it's a very, very trustworthy rumor, but it is, <laughs> yes. So it's non-authoritative. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's fair enough. So, 
NSLOOKUP is officially deprecated in OS X. In other words, it still exists, but it will not be there in the future. Oh, interesting. And that is also, I think, or am I mixing up Linux and OS X? Anyway, the modern POSIX OSs have moved beyond NSLOOKUP. NSLOOKUP still exists on most of them, but it's a legacy thing. They would like you to use one of two modern commands. And basically, there's the quick, the quick and simple one that just gives you the answer. And then there's a Swiss Army knife of DNS. Hmm. And so depending on your needs, you if you just want a quick answer, then you'll use the quick and easy one. And if you're trying to debug a problem, you probably want the Swiss Army knife. So we'll start with the quick and easy one. And the quick and easy command is host. H-O-S-T space what you're looking for. That sounds easy. It's very easy, and it doesn't waste your time telling you who gave the answer. It just gives you the answer. So if you do host podfeed.com... There's the answer. There's the answer. Now... It's and actually, interesting, it gave me more information. It gave me four answers about mail and one about the podfee.com, just plain old podfee.com. Right. So what it did is it gave you the A record, which mm-hmm. is your IP address, mm-hmm. and it gave you your five MX records. Yeah. Now, you'll notice they are prefixed by a number. Yeah, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and then okay. blah, 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 google.com. Okay, so they are the priority that should be assigned to those servers. Oh, interesting. So that means so Google has five s- separate servers. Correct. That can all all can do the work, but your mail client should start with the one with the highest pro- with the lowest. Ooh, I must. Figure. I can't remember whether they start at fifty or at ten. Hmm. But one of those two ends is where your mail client will start. If that server doesn't answer, it will go to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. So basically, five, four servers can be down, and you can still send mail to Google. Nice. And so you can have any number of MX records, and if you weight them equally, then you're, then the mail clients are supposed to randomly pick. Okay. So it's quite common for a corporation to have two mail gateways and to have them equally weighted, and that way they load balance automatically, so each gets half the work. Mm-hmm. And if one is down, they'll use the other. So the host command is really as simple as it gets. The other thing the host command will do is it will follow C names. So if you say host www.podfeet.com, I think you have a C name. Okay, so it says www.podfeet.com is an alias for podfeet.com. Okay. So it followed the C name, and then it went and looked up podfeet.com for you, because obviously you'd like to follow the redirect, and then it gave you the same information again. So podfeet.com has address, mail is handled by. So it has, with us doing very little work, it has given us all of the information we want on your domain. Yeah. Now, since you don't use a C name, since uh, I don't use a C name, that's not yours. What just says www.bartb.ie is this IP address. Yes, it's because the alias. record is just straight up. Now, there's no MX record for www.bartb.ie because I don't have an email address at www.bartb.ie, but I do have email addresses at bartb.ie. So if you just do host bartb.ie without the www, you'll see I have an MX. I don't have an MX record. Oh, yeah, I don't use that domain for email. <laughs> so why isn't there something about the fact that bartb.ie is an alias for uh, bartbushots.ie? Because I thought that's what because it was. Because it's for. not an alias at a DNS level. Oh. I do that at my, that's entirely within my web server. So if you host bartbuscshots.ie, it has an A record. Oh, that's where my email is. <laughs> 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 you don't know what it is at that address, but anyway. Um, oh, that's funny. So you can see that it also has an A record, and it happens to point to the same IP address. Yeah. But they're all A records. I, don't use, I tend not to use a lot of C names. Huh. Because it means I can move stuff around independently. But, so you do that in some 
Cool. I have another DNS for... control panel for that separate domain, which has its own list of A records and MX records. Hmm. Okay, we're probably getting into complexity beyond which I can follow, so... Okay, but the, part of the bottom line is the host command will very quickly tell you what matches, what IP addresses belong to a, a domain name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very straightforward, and it will tell you the email address or the, the MX records just for good measure. So that's the, the quick and easy one. The Swiss Army knife of DNS is the command known as dig. And dig, it does a lot. So if you want the full story, man dig, which is not a command. It's Well, it is a command, but it's not a command to tell a person to dig a hole. It's a command to find out what's going on with the dig command. So mandig will tell you everything about the dig command. But the basic structure goes basically dig space optionally some options, then the domain name, then optionally what record type it is you're looking for, and then optionally what server you'd like to ask the question of. Hmm. So if you don't tell it what record type you want, it will assume you want an A record, which is a sensible thing to want. So it assumes you're looking for the IP address, basically, which is sane. If you don't tell it what server to use, it will use whatever is configured on your computer, which is, again, a sensible default. Mm. And that's usually what you want to happen. But if you're debugging a specific server, you want to tell it, go ask the actual server I'm working on, and that way you get to skip all of this caching stuff. Ah, right, right. So imagine that you have decided that you're going to move web server, and you've just hit the big scary go button, and you now have the new DNS records being pushed out from your authoritative server, but no one on the planet is going to see those until the TTL expires. So do you wait a day and then discover you've made a horrible mistake and have your website be down needlessly? Mm-hmm. Well, no, you use the dig command to ask the authoritative server the question directly, and then you'll know what it is that's propagating slowly across the internet. And if you find a mistake, correct it straight away, much less downtime. Oh, okay. Cool. So, and I know when we did your domain move all those years ago, I did this. <laughs> this is what the man behind the curtain was doing for me. Absolutely. So let's do a dig without any fancy options. Just dig www.bartb.ie. And okay. what you will notice immediately is that, you know, NSLOOKUP gave us a little bit of fluff. Uh, host gave us no fluff. Dig gives us enough fluff to make a quilt. Yeah. <laughs> stuff to make a quilt. Nice. Okay. So the first thing it does is it tells us about itself. Hello, I'm dig version 9.8.3 P1. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, I got an answer. Uh, it says that the status of that answer was no error, which is nice. And then it gives us some more stuff I don't really care about. Uh, then it says question section. So it tells you in very explicit terms what question it asked the DNS server. It says, I wanted www.bartb.ie. I wanted an internet address, and I wanted an A record. Hmm. Now, okay. you're going to see those INs everywhere. DNS was designed to be completely generic. So we use DNS to make the internet go, but in theory, we could use DNS for anything. In reality, we haven't bothered doing anything else with it. So every DNS record is an in record. Okay, makes sense. So just ignore them. Basically, okay. you learn to mentally filter out the in. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're saying the question we asked is www.bartb.ie. And we want an A record. And the answer section tells us www.bartb.ie. And see that number there? Yes. The num- that is the TTL. 18643. Is, is it in milliseconds or something? Seconds. So that TTL is. So a good DNS server, a good resolver, 
will subtract how long it's had the record from the TTL it passes on. Oh, so okay. if, if an hour ago you queried it, you queried my server, I said you can keep it for 12 hours, and then I ask you now, a good stub resolver will give a TTL of 11 hours. So how long I was allowed to cache it, how long I've had it, so how long is left? So this is so, 5.179 hours, so that's obviously the subtraction of the two. I got exactly. you. Okay. So that, is, so my, that means that my router is being a good boy and is subtracting how long it's had the record from how long the TTL is, okay. which is very kind. A record, and then it gives the IP address. So that's actually what we were looking for. It's the same answer we got before. And then it gives us a little bit of metadata about how it got the answer. It took 31 milliseconds in my case. It probably took a different amount for you. The server was my router. It was on port 53. I, when? How many bytes it took to tell me this information? 46. So it's very talkative. But that may be useful if you're debugging stuff. And yours says query time zero milliseconds. Mine says uh, query time one millisecond. Uh, when the show notes, it says 32 milliseconds. Uh, you're looking at the second time you asked it. Yes, I am. I wonder why it was zero. The oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I got it in one millisecond. Think about, think about that, Bart. Well, I was it is able local. to ask that info. No, but I'm not local to you. Ah, that means that you, you had it cached. Uh-huh. If your resolver was able to answer so quickly, no time appeared to pass, it must have been cached. Okay. Now, the big problem with such verbose output is how difficult it is to spot when there's a problem. So if we now try to look up www.bartb.e with a typo, stick in an extra W, say, mm. and now we hit go, we still get a lot of output. Except the status does not say no error. Correct. The status says... NX domain? Which means non-existent domain. Ah. So NX domain means, I know this does not exist. And that is cached, by the way. So a failure is cached as well as a success. So an NX domain response is also cached. Hmm. Uh, You still get the question section, but there's no answer section. And you go straight to the query, to the metadata at the end. Ah. So it's sort of I, like you have to look at what's not given to you, what's missing. Yes, huh. yes. I find that very confusing. Now, if you don't care about all the fluff, you can actually make dig behave, just be politer. And so the key, the option, so remember we can put options in. So the option we want is plus short. Hmm. So if you say dig plus short www.bartb.ie spelt right, it will just give you the answer. And if you say dig plus short www.bartb.e spelt wrong, it will give you nothing. <laughs> Which is more obvious, right? Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to dig through 10 lines of stuff to see what was not there. Exactly. So dig plus short is actually quite a nice habit to get into. Now, the second thing is we can request any type of record. So by default, it assumes we'd like an A, but maybe we wouldn't. So what, what are my name servers? Well, if we say dig plus short www.bart, actually just do bartb.ie because that actually has name servers. And we say ns. So I want the name server records for bartb.ie. So dig space plus short space bartb.ie space ns. Mm-hmm. It will tell you that the three name servers that are authoritative for my domain are ns2.reg365.net dot, ns1.reg365.net dot, and ns0.reg365.net dot. And the only reason that they are not hover is because hover don't do .ie domains. Oh, okay. And notice how the dig command follows the DNS spec to the letter and puts in the final dot. Yeah, yeah. So the dig command is really the, the nerd tool for DNS. 
Right, right. So we can ask it for any record we like. Now, remember I said last time so that this, I... This has the advantage over host that it, it you can make it be small and concise and fluffless, but then yes. ask for more information that you want to see when you want to see it. Exactly. And the host fact, is just host. So by default, we see a lot, but actually we're going to make it tell us even more later. So it, it can be very verbose. Okay. Now, do you remember last week I said to you that I knew you had done a TXT record? The reason I knew you had done a TXT record is because it's still on your domain. So if you do a dig plus short space podfeet.com space TXT, you will see I've misspelled podfeet. <laughs> <laughs> gave you nothing, didn't it? It gave me absolutely nothing for posfeet.com. <laughs> and it tells me that your Google site verification code all those years ago when you first created your Google, your Google Apps account was that big, long, random wow. number. Wow. Okay. I have no idea what that means, but okay. Yeah, so you remember I was telling you last time that, uh, that Google make you prove you own a domain before they let you sign it up to Google Apps? Yeah. So they made up that random number and then they told you what it was and said, if you really own that domain, then you can create this TXT record. Uh, and you did. And they went, ah, great, you are you. And they set up your account for you. And that, I know this because I did it for you. That's more characters than there are ants in the world. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right, so that's not, no one's going to randomly guess a Google site authentication code. <laughs> that's like the codes it's you get when you make a hotel reservation when they give you like a 72 character you know, authorization code. It's like, really? Couldn't you use yeah. four? Now, the next thing I mentioned is that we can make dig use a specific server. So don't ask our the default one, which is probably our router. Ask that server over there. And the way you do that is at the end, so after everything else you've typed, you stick in at followed by the DNS server you want. So if you want to see where bartb.ie's NS records are and you want the answer to come from Google, you can say dig bartb.ie NS at 8.8.8.8. .8 .8 .8. Huh. Okay. So why would you do that again? If like, I want to see whether does 4.4 work also? I mean, why would you want to try a different server? A couple of things. What if you thought that there was something wrong with the DNS on your router? Ah. And so you ask it and it tells you, no, google.com doesn't exist. I don't believe you. Ask, the, ask 8.8.8.8. Ah, that's a more better answer. My router's broken. Best go fix that. Right, so there is a very important troubleshooting to be able to ask different people. I just asked my router it. and it's stuck. It's not doing anything. Oh, that's unusual. I think my router's 10.0.0.1. I, I wonder, is that, is, is that where your DNS resolver is listening? It'll time out in a minute. It'll unstick itself. I, I made it, Oh, no, I put the. I typed it. I had a typo. Let's see what happens here. Okay, that'll be why. Yep, yep. Got it. Now, so when I do that, I see that the authoritative servers are those NS servers I listed earlier. So if I want to see what the canonical truth is to www.bartb.ie, I would ask, truth? That sounds like life, the meaning of everything. Is it 42? Okay, so the authoritative servers for my domain are those three servers. So if I ask them what www.bartb.ie is, that is the most correct answer possible. Ah, Okay. So I can do that by saying dig www.bartb.ie at ns1.reg365.net. And this time I'm going to leave off the plus short intentionally because we can see stuff that's going on. 365.net, okay. And the first thing you will see is it shows the true length of my TTL, 86400. Yeah. 
Because I have now asked the authoritative server, so there's no one who held it for a while and then gave me the remainder of the TTL. Right. That's the TTL, because I've asked the authoritative source. All right. And you can also see what port, you know, you can, well, that's kind of all I want to 24 hours. Say. 24 hours. Now, the big guns. So do you remember that last week I described to you the work that a resolver does? So it starts at the root, and then the root says, no, I don't know the answer. Here's the NS records for com. Okay, dear com servers, do you know where podfeed is? No, I don't know, but here's the record for podfeed.com and so forth. You can actually watch that happen. Mm. So the way you do that is with the plus trace option. And to really see what's going on, I like to use dig plus trace plus question. <laughs> okay. Because that tells us what Dig is asking which server all the time. Does it tell you the answers as well or just the questions? It does. We can, we can, now, you're going to hit this command and then scroll back up and then we're going to walk through it. Okay. Okay. So Dig space plus trace space plus question space www.bartb.ie. I would say hit enter on the terminal about 10 times to make a gap. Run that command and scroll up to your gap. It'll take a couple of, it takes about 15 seconds. Okay. Should have told me to put the 10 spaces in first. Dig space uh, plus, wait. Trace. Okay, plus trace. Space plus question. And then bartb.e. No, stick the www in. So it's a longer Uh, resolution. Bartb.ie. Okay. Okay. So the first thing it tells us is that inside its configuration are... The name. So the first thing it asks is, where are the name servers for dot? So you'll see the first question is dot in ns. Hang on. Um, it says global options plus CMD. Sorry, and the very uh, next mine, line is... Mine isn't working. Oh. Uh, it says connection timed out, no servers could be reached. Dig space Ooh. trace place question space www.bartb.ie. Yeah, it says trace question www.bartb.ie global options plus command connection time dot no servers can be reached. How odd. That is most strange. Do not see a typo. That sounds like you're... Something is blocking DNS queries that are not coming through your resolver. Really? I don't know if that's your router. That's very strange. That, that, that means that you're not allowed to ask DNS questions without going through your router's stub resolver. Hmm. Okay, in that case, please revert to the show notes. <laughs> okay, we'll get where back there is to a it. printout. Yeah, that's very unusual. We have to dig into that offline. Okay, uh, off air. Sorry. Uh, okay, so the first thing, so the resolver starts by saying, "Who are the root name servers?" And so the question is dot. In other words, I want to know dot is the root, and then I want the name servers, the NS records for dot. And it gets those answers, and where it gets those answers from is itself. No, sorry. She, no, Dig is clever in that. Apologies. Dig asked my resolver for those answers. So 192.168.10.1, which is my resolver. It asked, who are the root name servers? The name servers responsible for the very heart of DNS. And it got back about 10-ish answers. I didn't count them. Quite a lot, though. A through H? Hmm? A through is H. Is it A through H? Oh, they are all there, aren't they? A, B, C, D. Yeah, okay. They're not in order on my output, but they are all there. So um, a, how many is that? I don't know. Anyway, a lot. It then randomly picks one, and it and it asks any one of the root servers, do you know www.bartb.ia a record? So the next question is www.bartb in a. And the answer it gets back is not an a record for Bart, www.bartb.ie because the root server doesn't have that information. All the root server can do is try to be helpful and say, 
Ask that guy over there. He does everything ending in .ie, so he probably has a better idea than I do. And so it answers not with an A record, but with a list of NS records. Okay. And you see that those NS records are for IE dot. Right. So they're the name servers for the IE top-level domain. The resolver then randomly picks one, and then it asks one of those about six, seven-ish servers, do you have an A record for www.bartb.ie? And again, the IE authoritative servers don't have that answer, so they can't answer with the answer. All they can do is point me closer and say, okay, the authoritative servers for bartb.ie are those three we mentioned before. So another yeah. three NS records come back. Okay. One of those three is picked at random, and this time it says, do you know who www.bartb.ie is in A? And this time, it's my server. It does know, so it says, bartb.ie, this amount of TTL in A, this IP address. Ta-da! Wow. That's still a lot of work. Right. That's why caching is important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because that's a lot of chatter. Yes. And so because of caching, that chatter only has to happen once every 24 hours for my domain because I have a TTL of 24 hours. And so once... So if anyone using Google's name servers looks up bartb.ie within a 24-hour period, then that answer is cached for everyone else on the planet who uses 8.8.8.8. So imagine how many records, how many requests that saves. <laughs> then if anyone in your house goes to bartb.ie, then your router has it cached, so it never even goes as far as Google. Right, right. So that's nice. So, so again, the saving gets amplified again. And as you're browsing around from page to page within my site your browser actually caches the answer too. So it never even asks a router, which never even asks Google, which never even does any of this work. Hmm. So that's why the caching is critical. Without the caching, every time you hit a page, all that would have to happen, and the internet just couldn't work. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is cool. Now, way back at the beginning, I asked you, were we finally going to be able to talk about a cool internet technology that was still in, still secure? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> The security what? elephant makes another appearance. I'm tempted to actually get a t-shirt made with the security elephant in the room. Uh, but he's back. <laughs> so we said last time that DNS works over UDP. So it's a UDP packet that contains your question, and you get back a UDP packet with your answer. Okay. Now, UDP is not connection-oriented, so anyone can send a UDP packet from any source address, because there's no need for two-way communication, so if the source address is wrong, it still works. TCP, you have this whole negotiation, and so if you pretend to be someone else, the negotiation can never finish, because the answer will go to someone else, they won't have heard of it, and it'll just fail to happen. Which is why TCP is some ways more secure, because you have to have this three-way handshake and stuff. But UDP has none of that, so anyone can send a fake UDP DNS packet. Now, there's also no sort of validation within the packet, so the easiest way to attack DNS is to go to a coffee shop. Okay. So we already talked when we talked about ARP. The ARP elephant in the room <laughs> was that anyone can pretend to be any IP address, so an attacker can use something called ARP poison routing to become a man in the middle. So you're in your coffee shop, and someone has become a man in the middle, so they can now see your DNS traffic. So they see you asking for, say, as for example, eBay.com. So they see your question, and they don't pass it on. They swallow it. They say, no, I'm not sending that on to a real DNS server. I want to give a wrong answer. So they then create an answer, pop it on the network and send it to you. And so you get the answer and you go to their server instead of the real eBay. If they've done their job right, they've made it look very convincing. You type in your username and password, 
they now have your username and password. Uh-oh. So none of this is ever cached locally? Yeah, well, it is, which is why, which is, okay, so if you, if you, you're going to ebay.com for the first time, you just open up your laptop and you type ebay.com and you're going for the first time. Ah, right. Within, you know, within the lifetime of your cache. Then it has to ask a DNS server, so the packet has to go out. Now, what's really dangerous about this is when you get the faked answer back, you will cache that answer. Oh, so even and if you, will you lose cache, it? Yeah, but you will cache it for the TTL that the packet said to cache it for. But the attacker made the packet. So the attacker could set the TTL to 10 years. Oh. No, so you've nicely got cached the wrong right. answer. Yes. And that's called uh, DNS cache poisoning. Because you poison the cache. Oh, I've now, heard of that before. Okay. If you're a man in the middle, this is very, very easy to do. But if you're not a man in the middle, you can still attack DNS. It's just a little bit more work on your part. So it is reasonable to assume that an ISP's web server is going to be asked, where is eBay? And therefore, if you just bombard it with thousands of packets with the wrong answer, if you're very lucky, when, they, when the server actually asks the question, your fake answer will arrive before the real answer, then the ISP server will cache the fake answer in its cache, and every customer on the ISP is now seeing the wrong answer oh, for eBay. Oh, you kidding. Oh, no. So this That's is a bad. bad thing. Ah, okay. That's bad. So, do you remember the Dan Kaminsky DNS bug? Remember Dan Kaminsky? Okay, he's famous for a DNS bug, and the, what that bug did was make it easier to do this kind of attack. Okay. And the fix for the Dan Kaminsky bug was to add some more randomness to DNS. So, in order to, to poison the cache as is, without, before we do the fix that we, we had to do a few years ago, you had to be lucky enough to send the packet at the right time. So you would have had to send millions of packets to get lucky. So what the Kaminsky attack, what the fix is, is to make you have to be even luckier. And so the DNS destination port always has to be 53. But the source port can be anything you like. Hmm. Because that's on your end. And so what the Kaminsky fix was is to randomize the source port and insist that when the server replied to you, they use the same random port. Oh. And so now an attacker has to get the packet in at the right time and they have to guess the right port. And that's way more difficult. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean it's impossible, but it means that the barrier to entry is very, very high. And so in reality, we see very little ARP, sorry, DNS cache poisoning at the ISP level, but it's very easy to do if you're in a coffee shop without running Cloak. Hmm. So in the real world, although it's theoretically possible to have it happen at the ISP level, in the real world, we almost the only time we really see it is when there's a man in the middle, and realistically, that means when we're in a coffee shop. Okay. And again, Cloak and any other VPN protects us because our DNS traffic is encrypted on the way out and in, and so the man in the middle can't tinker with it. Okay, okay. Wow, so, all these episodes end up being an ad for Cloak, don't they? <laughs> to be honest, they yes, should be, be sponsoring this show. <laughs> but well, not just Cloak, right? Any VPN, right? But, our answer to the fact that the foundation of the internet is insecure is to build security on top. And on top means VPN. Right. SSL. Or VPN through SSL, which is also very common. And so that's why the answers keep being the same. We know that everything underneath is broken, so we put the security on top. If we, if we thought about it better, it's much better when the security is on the bottom. Yeah. But we can't have a time machine, so we've done the best we can and we've put the security on top. Okay. Do you think that model will 
be sustainable over time? It will have trouble, but in DNS, actually, there's even better news. Mm, so with the Kaminsky fix, things are pretty good, apart from those nasty man in the middles. But actually, in the case of DNS, and it's not true about the other protocols we've talked about, but in the case of DNS, it is true. There is a genuine light on the horizon, which is not a train coming the other way through the tunnel or whatever. <laughs> right? I'm mixing my metaphors. I know, but I like it. I like it. So there is something called DNSSEC which is an extension to DNS, and it adds a few new, re- new resource records. Like, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the records now. But basically, there's a, as, as well as your A records and your MX records and your NS records, there's a few extra types of records that have been added. And what those records are for is for di- adding digital signatures to DNS. And so it's still possible to fake the answer, but it becomes possible to know you've been faked. Okay. Which is enough that you will never cache the wrong answer. Right. You will just have to ask the question again until you get an unfaked answer. That's better than pretending that no one would ever do it to you. (laughs) Exactly. So the way it works is that everyone who has a domain would have to have a public key. And then they would sign every answer. And then when the answer arrives, it would be checked. And if it validates, then it's cryptographically known to be correct. And if it doesn't validate, then it's cryptographically known to be wrong. And this technology is working today, but... It's not protecting very many domains because not very many people have gone to the effort of doing all the crypto. Uh. It's protecting star.gov, which is kind of important, but it's not correcting stuff like podfeet.com. Can I I have it? I don't know. That will depend because it's extra work for the person hosting your domain. So in other words, the person you have entrusted to be your authoritative server has to be prepared to do the work on your behalf. And it's not a standard feature yet. But it might be eventually, huh? I think if we have this conversation a decade from now, we'll be saying, oh, it's wonderful, DNSSEC is everywhere. Thank goodness DNS isn't broken anymore. <laughs> well, one part of me hopes we get there. The other part of me hopes this becomes an unnecessary conversation for better reasons. <laughs> well, to be honest, the answer is always cryptographically signing things. So actually, in this case, what DNSSEC is doing is doing it... it It's actually managing to do it right, even though it wasn't done from the start. Hmm. So it's actually very good. So I'm reading, no, DNSSEC is good. I'm glad it's getting traction. Cool. So that's a happy note we can end on. All right. Well, this was fun. I got to play in the terminal finally. And we will get together at a later date and figure out how come I can't do that trace. That's pissing me off. I sent it to you in an email uh, so we can talk about it later. Yeah, we'll have to do a little bit of debugging and poking around in your network and see what's going on. But something somewhere is blocking you. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So, um, I think we meet again in two weeks, I think. I think so. So, until then, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net.